be sure to follow us on Instagram at criminalafpod or click on the link in the episode description. This is a special episode recorded back in June for a project podcast I was planning about the paranormal. In this episode, I invited my siblings to participate and discuss our childhood home. I am dedicating this episode to my oldest brother, who suffered a heart attack, stroke, and organ failure, and succumbed on November 1st, 2022. Gerard Louis Jari III, Jay, as his family and friends called him, was 53 years old. Twenty-two Grove Street, a former mill house for the old Revere textile mill, was built back in 1900. I'm sure we've all seen these houses. Duplexes built for the workers of the mill to be in close proximity of the factories that provided their family's livelihood. Row after row of these houses, making up a town within a town. Twenty-two Grove Street was my home from birth in 1974. My parents bought the house, and along with my two older brothers, moved there in 1973 after starting their lives in a similar home in Taffville, Connecticut. A few years after purchasing the duplex, the tenant that lived on the other side moved out, and rather than renting to another family, my father tore down the walls separating the two sides, and instantly turning the three-bedroom, one-bath duplex into six bedrooms, two baths, two living rooms, a kitchen, and a dining room. My parents would need the extra space, as in 1979, my sister was born, followed by my youngest brother in 1982. We had quite the childhood in that house, countless memories that would last a lifetime. Even though 22 Grove Street doubled in size, fitting a family of seven, it still wasn't big enough to fit all of its occupants. There were others who lived there. You could hear their whispers, footsteps throughout the house, scratches at the bedroom door. But they mostly lived in their world, and we lived in ours. Except for him. The little boy. to the very first episode of I Believe, a paranormal podcast. And what better way to start this journey than to talk about my childhood home. And joining me are my siblings, Jay, Paul, Dorothy, and Joe. First thing that I'd like to talk about is the little boy. Now, I've seen him. Paul has seen him, correct? Yes. Yeah, I have. Now, what is your story with him? Oh, my story? All right, so I'm going to say when I was probably somewhere between five to seven, uh, I was uh, in, sleeping in my room, which uh, I'm going to say was on the side of the house that we originally owned. So I was sleeping in my bed, and all of a sudden I could hear giggling and, uh, like, you know, stuff moving around in a bedroom or whatever. And so I woke up, 
And I looked at, I had this big toy box that was probably, like when I was little, it seemed like it was probably four feet by eight feet. It was enormous, but I bet you it was not that big in real life. You know, so uh, anyway, I, I woke up and, I, and, oh yeah, and this toy box was like mounded with toys. So I heard all the rustling and the giggling and, and then I turned, I uh, got out of bed and I looked over and there was a little kid sitting in the toy box playing with all the toys. And uh, he looked at me and he um, was giggling at me and um, kept playing with the toys. I stared at him for a while and then I like, I must have blinked my eyes or something, but when I opened my eyes back up, he was gone. So that was my first encounter with him. Um, my encounter was roughly about the same age. I would say seven. And uh, my room was in the front room. So I walked down the hallway in the middle of the night. I had to go to the bathroom. And I turned the corner. Now, if you're familiar with like a duplex style house, the room, you have to walk down a hallway along a banister. And then you turn to actually go down the stairs. And as I turned to go down the stairs, at the bottom of the stairs, there was a little boy playing at the bottom. And I kind of froze in my tracks. I'm like, uh, what? And then, Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I heard the uh, pitter-pattering up and down those stairs before, too. But I, I never saw the, the boy again, but there was definitely pitter-pattering. I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. So I looked, at, I looked down the uh, bottom of the stairs, and you know he's sitting there playing, and he looks up at me, and he did the same thing. He giggled. But unlike yours, where he disappeared, he actually stood up and started coming up the stairs. Oh my god! So, <laughs> yeah. So I I high I hightailed it to mom and dad's room, and you know, dad's side of the bed was on the far wall. Mm-hmm. So I ran into mom and dad's room, and I went onto dad's side of the bed, and he came in and was on mom's side of the bed. Basically, he was uh, he had his hands on the bed on the side. And he's like going back and forth, like you know. And hey, do, do you remember what, know, he was, what he was wearing? I don't know. Do you? Yeah, I don't. No, I don't either. I mean, it just seemed like it almost seemed like he was. It was like I remember him like looking like he, uh, it was festive. You know, I can't picture it right mm. in my head, but I remember him looking like he was a like a, you know how a traditional little boy's like sailor outfit type of thing. You know, but not really. Now that you mentioned it, that kind of makes sense. I don't recall, but if I were to envision him, that would be probably the, the way I would envision him. Yes. Yeah. Now, when I woke up in the morning, I woke up on the floor on dad's side of the bed. Now, I've never talked about this for years and years and years and years. And when it all came up, it was the Ouija board incident. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the Ouija board? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, even oh, yeah. me and Joe weren't there. We still remember yeah. that. Yeah. We heard about it tonight. Just a little story. Paul and I were we brought in a Ouija board. I don't know if it was me who brought it in or you. Or I I don't recall. But uh, uh, one of us. I, th- I think it was me. Probably. You're the most uh, sinful. Yeah. 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 I was a little emotional. <laughs> <stuff. laughs> So we brought in the the Ouija board and we're sitting there playing it and we're asking, you know, just random questions like, you know, is the house haunted, blah, 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 you know, just random generic questions. And then the question came up, are you the little boy? And I think this is the first time that you and I both kind of talked about seeing this little boy. Right. Now, has anybody else seen him? Uh, No, I haven't. I haven't either. Jay? 
I don't remember a story, but I remember maybe seeing something like that. The more you guys talk about him, especially the outfit he was wearing. I don't remember any specific thing, but I remember a boy in that kind of outfit. Yeah, so we're we're sitting there doing the Ouija board, and come to find out, we asked a story. We basically got a story from the Ouija board. Correct. And he's... Do you want to tell that story, Paul? Uh, as far as I can remember, his name is Ned. Uh, he was killed, I think, in a... Was it a carriage accident or something like that? Or, or a horse accident? Or I think it was a house previous to ours. It was a yes. house that was in that location somewhere. There was a house there before? That, that's what he said. There was a house there before ours. It's like a little shack, right? Something. I don't know. I recall it, him saying there was a house there before our house was there. And that's where he lived. Oh. It, is this... Okay. Uh, I, so are you think... Are you remembering this entirely different, Dave? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you did a lot of meth back then. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My high school years were not the. <laughs> was this a, was this in high school? It was. I, I was in high school. I know that. Oh, okay. All right. Now the thing with the with the Ouija board is that mom was obviously pissed that we had the thing in the house. You and I were kind of going back and forth, like, "Oh, you're moving, you're moving it." I, you know, we're, yeah. we're accusing each other of moving it. And then, yeah. I I could be wrong, but I remember mom saying, "Ask it a question that neither of us would know." Right. Oh, something about her relatives or something, yeah. was it? Yeah, it was. Yes. She said, ask it how my cousin so-and-so died. And the thing came back and spelled out fire. You remember that? Yeah. And she was, like, getting all worked up. And basically the thing had to get out of the house that day. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but didn't you hide it under the couch? No, I think we actually took it outside and burned it. Did you? No. We I remember that. started playing Jumanji instead. <laughs> I seem to recall that Ned... Uh, said that there were other people. Am I correct? There were like three others. Yeah, I don't remember who they were, but I remember he said there was other people in the house. I remember one was a woman. No names. I remember you guys told me that you found out that somebody was watching over me during that uh, Ouija session. Oh, yeah, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah. I don't know who it was, though. But it was... I do remember somebody... Yeah, there's somebody watching over Dorothy and then... uh, I want to say there was like an evil person. Yeah, there was there was a bad there was a bad one. Yeah, yeah. I do know that Ned liked listening to uh, us play the drums, uh huh. And he didn't like Joe. Whoa, yeah. Well, we weren't going to tell you, Joe. Well, I mean, I, I mean, come on. Just because I was boy, little brat. Really, none of us like Joe. <laughs> this is how you had to find out, okay, through Ned. <laughs> right on, Ned. Yeah, we, yeah, we we hear you. Now, I had an imaginary friend when I was younger who was named, as we all know, Eddie. You remember that? Eddie Richards. Now, I've wondered all these years if Eddie was actually Ned. Yeah. Ned, Ed, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a, actually a, a valid point right there. Because Eddie Richards, my imaginary friend, was a child. It, I don't know, it's just something that's always been on my mind. The possibility. of the house by far had the most activity. Shadows, knocks, scratches, but for the most part, it was all something we had grown accustomed to. 
the first thing I noticed when I moved into that room was something actually in the corner, like a shadow. I saw a lot of shadows there. Which corner? The corner by the window, the big window on the side of the house. Uh, the one I always had to walk through to get to my bed. Yep. Um, it never did anything. It just was there. Don't know if it was watching me, was watching for me or whatever, but it was just there. And then there was the closet, which I eventually put a lock on because it, so it was, something was always scratching at the door trying to get out, and the door would always pop open. Underneath my bed, where you slept one night, scared the crap out of me, uh, there was always like noises under there, like, like scratching on the bottom of my bed, scratching on the floor. I had a lot of scratching in my room. And then one night, I went upstairs to my bed, my bedroom, and the window was open. The curtains were fluttering, like the wind was blowing really strong. And I never opened up my windows. Something opened up my windows. Now, didn't you say something about a cat, too? Oh, yeah, the cat. The the, uh, the phantom cat. It would uh, come into my room at night or during the day, whatever. It would jump on my bed, wake me up, and then just, like, a cat just jump off my bed and go out the door. But the door was always closed. Just went right through the door. And then when, uh, after Mom died, the cat would show up, and two weeks later, I would see Mom in the windows. The same cat? Yeah, always the same cat. It was, like, darker than the ones we used to get. It wasn't, like, a full-on black cat, but it was darker. So I would say that from my bedroom, for the majority of, of my years in there, there was nothing really definitive in that room, but you always had a sense that something was just there, hovering in the room, you know? Just like a presence, maybe a weight to the room, I guess you could say. And I remember that I had my bed up against the wall where I could look out the doorway down the hallway. And I would say every night for like months on end, I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be a figure. Uh, what I would call a farmer standing in the doorway, just standing there. Didn't do anything. And the reason I call him a farmer is because he had on what appeared to be like overalls, I guess you could say. You know, like your typical, you think of a farmer, that's what he looks like, you know. But the way I perceived it is that he was blocking my exit. Like every single night for months. Like I would have closed my door, but at that point, I thought that by closing my door, I was closing myself in with the negative energy in that room. You know, that, that weight. And, but the times that I did close my bedroom door, there would always be scratching. Like a scratching noise at the door. I'd open up the door, there'd be nothing there. Close the door, sit back down, scratching again. I'm thinking it's like the cat or something, because we had a lot of cats growing up. Uh, but I'd open it up, nothing there. And that would go on any time that I had my door closed. Automatically. But, you know, there's a lot of other things too, but we'll go on to Dorothy. Did you have any experiences? I definitely felt something about that closet. I always kept it closed and I put furniture in front of it. It was just a, a vibe or a feeling. And... I would never go into it. But the major thing with me in that room is a lot of nights, um, more than I could probably count, I would feel someone sit on my bed and stay there for a little while. 
and eventually leave. There was nobody. It was... There was nobody. It was terrorizing, because I would just lay there still, waiting for it to leave. So I basically had every room in the house. I start off with the front room. The front room was... We called the front room because it was in between two bedrooms in the front of the house. So it was just the front room. Uh, I had that when I was younger. Every once in a while, every few months, I... uh, So I would see a dark figure go across uh, across the wall. Um, I always slept facing the wall, so I didn't see who it was, what it was. I don't know if it was dad coming to check on me after he got home from work. I don't know if it was one of you guys checking out on me. I don't know. My next room was your room, Dave. I really didn't feel anything in there. No presence, no nothing. And then... I moved to uh, Jay's room. Not too many experiences there, but one morning I did wake up and witnessed a very dark mass uh, go left to right across the wall and out the door. Door is closed, door is locked. Now at Jay's room, I would always have to keep the door locked from the inside because you can, uh, the door would just open up, close. Um, nothing major, just enough to notice it. So, and the door opened up towards the wall, not towards the room. So you really can't see who was coming in. So that would kind of freak me out sometimes. Yeah, I I bounce around bedrooms as well. And when Jay moved out, I was excited because now I, I get to have a big bedroom. So I move into Jay's room. I get all my stuff in there and I'm like, this is great. It's going to be awesome. I lasted about two nights in that room. Like, I could not. I had the worst nightmare I've ever had in my entire life. I don't really remember it, but it's, I just remember waking up in the middle of the night, and I'm petrified, like scared shitless. I remember that because I moved into your room, and I thought I was the coolest kid on the street because I got to move in my older brother's room, and then I immediately had to move out because you wanted it back. Yeah, I could not stay in that room at all. Nope. I think uh, the first night I stayed in the room the whole night, and I think the second night I actually slept downstairs on the couch. And then I was like, yep, nope, I'm done. And then finally I moved to mom and dad's room. That room, I believe I had the most experience in. Constant banging on the door, scratches, noises, just a weird presence. I remember one morning I, I was woken up out of dead sleep with just an urgent banging on the door. Just boom, 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 boom. Like someone was trying to wake me up because there was a fire in the house or something like that. Jumped right out of bed, opened it up, no one was there. That door would constantly open up on its own with it being closed. Constant knocks on that door. Then finally I moved to Paul's room. Never really experienced anything there. Although, for some reason, that was the room I was most afraid of. Probably because of the stories I heard from Paul. Especially when I was younger, he would tell the stories, and it really stuck with me. The 
first floor of the house was relatively quiet compared to the other levels, but that didn't mean it didn't have its fair share of paranormal events. So on the first floor we had the main living room and then we had what we called the stove room because that's where the wood stove was and whatnot. Whenever we had birthdays or other things, people would kind of congregate in that room. And one of the things that would always stand out whenever we had like an event going on at the house is grandpa who had polio and he had those aluminum crutches. And if somebody walked by the crutches, they would fall like every single time. Like his crutches never stayed, you know, they never stood up. And after he passed, maybe like a week after he passed, me and mom were sitting in the main living room and we were sitting there watching TV. And then all of a sudden, we just heard the crutches. Like the walking or falling? The metal crutches. Yeah, they're falling. And we kind of looked at each other and mom started getting, you know, started tearing up. And so I kind of like crept over there, kind of looking around and I didn't see anything that could have caused that noise. There wasn't like a crash, bang, boom, but it kind of jogged our memory, you know, the memory of Grandpa's crutches always falling, you know. Was it me, or did that room seem like the darkest room in the house at all times? I would run up the stairs because of that room. The wood stove room, yeah. The wood stove room, yeah. Yeah, it was like dark in a corner. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. The wood stove room was probably the most haunted. That's where I had my, I guess you could say, my out-of-body experience. Paul, do you remember that? Uh, no, actually. Please tell it. You don't remember slapping me out of my trance? Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. But Anyway, so I was over-sitting in the wood stove room, and that's when we kind of, like, turned it into another living room. It had the TV and whatnot. And Amy, who was my girlfriend during that time period, uh, she was killed in a car accident. And probably like a day or two after I was sitting on the couch watching TV. And the next thing I know, I'm in this field. Like I feel the warm air on my face. You feel the breeze. It was a grass and flowers up to like waist high. And I just remember just looking around and I felt so at peace. Like I felt warm. It was like the greatest place you could ever be. So then I'm kind of like looking around and I turn around and probably 10 feet away was Amy in this white dress flowing. And she was like, I just want to let you know that I'm okay. I'm happy here. And I'm just like, I I don't want to leave you. I just felt this whole like, wow, like this aura about it. And it was just so peaceful. And she's like, you can't stay. You know, I'll, I'll be here when you come back, but you can't stay now. And the next thing I know, Paul's slapping me across the face like, what is wrong with you? Now that you say that, I, it's definitely jogging my memory. And then like, yeah, I, I started bawling my eyes out. Now that you mentioned it, I had one about the same time up in my room. To go along with your field afterlife kind of experience... I had the, I can't tell you when, like, I know I was in my teens. I 100% believe I passed away and went to, I guess you can call it heaven. It was 
if you've ever seen the movie um, what, dreams what Dreams May Come with Robin Williams when he goes to the what they would call heaven Dave's colorblind Paul's colorblind I'm colorblind just seeing those colors so vivid the warmth you felt the love you never wanted to leave ever and when I woke up I just started sobbing, sobbing because I wanted to go back. To be perfectly honest, I think it was just that half of the house. I mean, I mean, if we put everything into perspective, that half of the house was... Yeah, actually. It all seemed to start once Dad uh, opened up the walls. Yeah, I don't really remember. I remember vaguely it being open, but yeah. Because I don't remember anything from before that. I always dream about that room. Really? Okay, well, I can't wait to get to the basement. Yeah, the, the basement's whole, that's a whole podcast right there. The basement didn't have that much activity, other than the basement door itself. It was more of a presence. A thick weight of fear would envelop you, as if someone was trying to get you out. So as we're leading uh, our way to the basement, I will just say that the kitchen hallway uh, by the basement door, yeah, that basement door would always open on its own. And uh, Dad put the deadbolt on the door so it wouldn't open anymore. I'm going to say that back corner... Uh, where that root cellar thing was, uh, by the um, if you uh, if you look off from the laundry area, there was that black dark corner. Uh, part of it was a root cellar, and then there was just storage. There was absolutely one hundred percent something very very evil in that corner. Yeah, I never went there by myself. Ap- oh, me either. I went down, and Dad would be like, "Hey, can you go get that thing?" And I'm like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh," and uh, you know, I do it, but okay. I, I'm telling you, I am telling you, it was. I've never been so frightened in my life. But it was very, very frightening. And, he, and Dad would, he, even to open those bulkhead doors, to go down there and open that big door, and, and you and you had that, you know, you had uh, that corner just staring at you. Yes. And you, and you knew something was mm-hmm. in there. You know? It was just absolutely frightening. I think because it was just so dark down there. And the main light that you had to get to was halfway down that room to, like, turn it on. So, there was that light was never on. Plus, like the rest of the basement had um, a cement floor, and over there it was dirt, and it just I don't know, just maybe helped with the scary atmosphere of it. But I I was terrified of that corner as well. Never had any sights, no sounds. It was just a heavy, heavy presence. I guess you can just uh, contribute it to it just being a very dark very cold at times uh, basement. When you, uh, if you went all the way towards that corner or into the laundry area or where they had that stand-up freezer, yep. if you went that far into the uh, basement by yourself, okay, you could feel something on your back the entire way up those stairs. Yep. Oh, yeah. The goosebumps and all that. Yeah, I do. I, oh, yeah. I take that back. It's Yeah, the goosebumps. The second you hit those stairs, it was like someone was pushing you from behind. Like, get out of my area, you know? Yeah, absolutely frightening. 
And Dad must have known something was up because when he put the cement on the floor, he did not do that corner. He didn't, he just stopped and said, "I'll do that later," and never going back. Right. Been interesting to check the history of the house. Yeah, that's that's weird. He never cemented that area. Like he he cemented the entire basement except for like a four by ten area. He would store things in there that he'd never use again. Yeah, it was all the stuff he didn't need that stayed over there until we had to go over there and get out. Ugh. Yeah, he always sent me in there to go get the stuff. It's like, no, I don't want to, but I always did. Yeah, he, yeah, he always sent us in there, chicken. But you know, they he they even had like they put um some they did some canning like zucchini. Or they had a garden, did some canning and uh, down there, and 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 there was just cans that were there for years because they no one even wanted to go over there to get the, you know the cans. We had like canned food for like. 20 years in there. <laughs> yeah. Some say to this day they're still there. It wasn't bad if you had somebody with you, but yeah. but if you went down there alone, that was a different, a whole different uh, occasion. Oh, speaking of that. That was, that was a whole different experience. I don't know if you guys remember, like, me and Dorothy going down there and you uh, guys yeah. shutting the light off and locking the door on us. Yeah, that's fine. Well, it's a tradition that gets passed down. <laughs> no. That didn't happen. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Making uh, making stories. Oh, right must have been, must <laughs> been a dream. What was me? Uh, that sounds fun. Didn't we used to lock the door on them too when we did that? Oh yeah, you guys locked the door. I don't. Me. <laughs> <laughs> he was the main culprit. He never had it done. That yeah. Time. Jay and Dave are very bad to you people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. If I were you, I'd never forgive Jay and Dave for that. <laughs> okay. Anyway. On December 9th of 2004, my mother passed away in this house. Her final act of love may have finally brought peace to 22 Grove Street. So after mom passed, uh, Dorothy, you tell a good version of it. So mom was in the hospital and she was diagnosed as terminal. She had me and Joe when we were visiting one day, you know, because she was in the hospital. She she sat us down and said, I want to die at home. I know it's scary, but once I die, I will stop all the other ghosts from bothering you. And 100%, it was silent after she passed. No more scratching, no more knocking. No more scratching, nothing. No fear of any room. Like, even to this day, I feel like she's still protecting me, and protecting Joe, at least. So basically, she took everybody with her that was there, except for the basement guy. Except, well, we, well let's not talk <laughs> about the basement. I, I got a story. I don't know if you can use it or just move it to a different spot. But Dorothy can back me up on this. She heard it, too. Late one night, it was after all of you guys were out of the house. It was just me... Dorothy, mom, and dad. I forgot the time, but it was definitely middle of the night. You just hear on the stairs something being dragged, something hitting, something being dragged, something hitting. It was like, shh, poof, shh, poof, shh, poof, on the stairs, like someone was dragging a body. I asked Dorothy the next day if she heard it. She said, yeah. And that was pretty much it I mean it was just we accepted it 
<laughs> well, it's just a house. Yeah. It's just a house. You're terrified, but you're just like, oh, the house. There it is again. Yeah. yeah. It was never a run out of the house, never go back in kind of deal. It was just... That's All right. scary. Huh? That's Let's it. Go back. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we grew up, so... I mean, there were definitely some areas. There were definitely areas where they were that were more scary than others. But I think the scary parts of the house were the ones that you could feel, like overcome with dread and fear. But as far as the noises, the noises were just like noises, you know, just whatever. You just accepted it. Yeah, like the scratching and the knocking. It was kind of a more of a annoyance than uh, scary. After mom died, because uh, mom's bed was in the living room, and I used to sit up late with her at night and we watched TV countless hours of Animal Planet. Um, after she passed away, the bed was removed from the house and we put the couch back there. And it was it was late. And I'm laying on the couch, I'm on the phone talking with somebody, and out of the blue, the TV just turned on. Now this is maybe it's less than a month after she passed. And I'm sitting there and I'm laying on the couch talking on the phone and TV turns on, Animal Planet, and I'm like, uh... Crazy. Dorothy would have that happen in her room with a... You know, she had that, like, fake chandelier where it was plugged into the wall but it's still hung on the ceiling. That would click on and off. Remember one night her stereo turned on, like, full blast. Uh, yeah, it was just... That kind of stuff where... But that, I, I put it towards mom, like like saying, hey, I'm still here, playing tricks or whatever. I had one good experience with uh, things I can't see. The night that mom passed, as they were removing her body, I was uh, standing in the kitchen on my back uh, into the hallway, right by the cellar door. And do you remember how Uncle Denny used to get behind you and grab your shoulders and then like rub it a little bit? I felt that, and I felt love. It was like Uncle Denny was there. Dave and I were talking. uh, We all took shifts watching Mom during the last week, and we would sit with her a lot, you know. You could feel a a door open from here and there. You could feel other beings in the room with you. And Mom would, you know, wave or say hi or talk or fixate her eyes. And you would feel it. It's not just the. It wasn't just the morphine or whatever. Um, you felt it, and I felt the same thing when Dad was going to. Yeah, it's almost like they stepped into another room. Now, for anybody else, did it seem like Mom and Dad never really acknowledged or discouraged us from saying anything? Yeah, Dad would always shoot it down. Mom, I, I think Mom was more open to the idea. Like, she would say the same thing as Dad, you know, because she was our mom. But I think deep down, I mean, obviously, she had a conversation with you guys when she came home to, you know, pass. The experiences we all had at 22 Grove Street will forever be etched into our memories. But so will all of the amazing times we had there. The traces of over 30 years of our own residual energy remain in the confines of that home and are blended with the energy that already had a hold within those walls. Perhaps, if you sat quietly in that house at night, weaved into the sound of the footsteps, the knocking, and the doors creaking open, 
You could hear the laughter of family gatherings, the whispers of children playing their favorite games, or the faint sounds of a drum set coming from the basement. Because truthfully, even though we have all moved on from 22 Grove Street, we never really left. We all still go back there, in our dreams, to the days when we were a family of seven, and sometimes the other residents of 22 Grove Street join us in those dreams. I'm Dave Jari, and I believe...